County Public Broadcasting. This is a podcast of KZYX's local coronavirus update for Monday, January 18th, 2021, with Ukiah ER doctor, Dr. Drew Colfax, and Alicia Bales. Since the pandemic began, Dr. Colfax has done regular live updates for KZYX listeners on the latest news and numbers and answered questions from callers. Bad news on my TV screen, bad news on the magazines, bad news on the newspaper, bad news on the elevator, bad news on the street, bad news on my car, bad news on my feet, bad news out of the bar, all over my clothes, under my hat. And good afternoon, this is Alicia Bales live in the studio with Dr. Drew Colfax. We're here for the local coronavirus update. Hey, Drew. Hello, Alicia. It's a holiday edition. It is a holiday edition. It's a holiday. Yeah. Very exciting. It's actually one of my favorite holidays. I wish we could celebrate and gather and have Martin Luther King Day celebrations. You know, I lived in Alabama for five years, and it's both MLK Day and Jefferson Day. Oh. Oh, no. They did that? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. So, there you go. That's it. That's well, I mean, we also have our history of racism here in yeah. California, but that's weird. Yeah. Um coronavirus. That's what oh, we're here to do. Right. Coronavirus. Local yes. coronavirus update. Yes. So we um we were here on Friday. We did a long show with lots of questions. Yes, from today we're gonna keep it tidy to thirty minutes. <laughs> brief yes so but what has there been any news over the weekend or do we have any updates well the news is you know people are getting vaccinated um not as much as we'd like obviously but as much as the county's getting which is very good we're not sitting on a supply from what i can tell uh, from anybody who is receiving the vaccine in the county um and we're seeing as we mentioned on friday it's coming in through four different vectors public health adventist um through the bureau of indian health um and then the pharmacies are distributing it to um, elder care homes and the jail, I think. Oh, that might be public health, actually, now that I think about it. Um, so those are the four people who are receiving it. And the big two are really Adventist and public health at this point. Um, and frankly, it's going to become more and more driven by public health. Uh-huh. But they're all, they're all shipping it out. It's not sitting in deep freeze somewhere, which is appropriate you know we still don't really have a good guarantee that we're going to get the three or four week booster shot um but hopefully we do um and if we don't then we're going to have to figure out how to manage that but it's it's much better to have as much vaccine into uh, people to develop and start developing some immunity as quickly as possible well and from just as an outsider who's who's seeing the process unfold i mean the it sounds like the county put out a, a statement on this weekend that said over 5,000 people have yeah, been vaccinated. I think, I think the total is now, I wrote it down here somewhere, 5,870. Wow. And I, I'm not sure actually if that includes um, the other administrators. I think that's just county. Just the county. So um, and so Adventist has given yeah. hundreds, if not over 1,000 at this point. Um, and I really don't know about um, the other two. Mm-hmm. Those numbers aren't just readily available. But the thing... Just just, as I was saying, as an outsider, you just kind of see people reporting on all of these events happening all over the county. And it might, for some of us, feel a little weird that 
how do we get on this train? Like, how, how do we sign up? You yeah, know? and it's frustrating. I mean, there's not a streamlined process. Um, and right before we came on on Friday, I remember Ted Williams and Mo Mullins sort of set up their own private.com website. And I'm not sure how much, you know, that's developed over the weekend. Um, but that sort of bespeaks to the lack of top-down organization on this. It would have been nice if the feds back in February or March started coming up with a vaccine registration registry, if you will, and that way everybody was appropriately staged and knew exactly when and where to go get their vaccine. But, you know, amongst the many, many things that this administration has not delivered, this is just one of them. Yeah, well, I heard something from uh, President-elect Biden who said that he wanted National Guard to set up clinics in communities. And and the thought of that, like, oh, there's like a central place where you go when it's your turn to get the vaccine. And, and you know, it's, it's, it's all kind of clear. Yeah, I mean, the bottleneck in this county is really not getting the vaccine into people. Sure. I mean, the people are doing a great job, whether it's Adventist or the clinics or public health, getting vaccinated. And those vaccine clinics are going really, really well from all reports. I mean, I haven't been present for all of them, but from what I've heard, they've gone quite smoothly, which is great. Um, the problem for us in this county is just not enough supply. And why the feds didn't demand that any pharmaceutical company that has vaccine manufacturing capabilities start manufacturing these vaccines soon as they were becoming you know, more promising, I don't know. Um, obviously, the answer is money. Um, and, you know, sort of this abstract notion of private uh, commerce or capitalism that we continue to adhere to as we're having 4,000 people die a day in this country from COVID. But that's the country that we have currently opted for. You know, things will change in the next in a day and a half, I guess, when President-elect Biden becomes President Biden. But kind of like a ocean liner or a jet, it takes a long time to turn this ship around. So it's going to be a long, slow sweep before we can go from complete incoherence to something resembling a working policy that is actually translated into changes on the ground. I thought you were about to start talking about Reagan again. I could do that. <laughs> I thought you thought I was going to talk about the Edmund Fitzgerald, but I won't go. Oh, there. God. Okay, well, All right, the numbers. Yes, let's get to the numbers. 3,114 COVID-positive people in the county of Mendocino. The county of Mendocino is still not reporting how many tests we are doing per day, which is really critically important. So we really don't know if these numbers mean anything or not, because if we don't know what the surveillance is, then we don't know what the, the positivity means. So whoever's in charge of that needs to fix that problem. And if they don't know the numbers, that's an even bigger problem. So right now, the public at least, is flying blind on this. Anyway, uh, we are still averaging about 40 people per day. Our positivity, which is currently basically a made-up number since we don't know our testing rate, is 6.72 per um, 100 tests. 13 people hospitalized, one in the ICU, um, and unfortunately we had another death in the last over the weekend, um, so we're now up to 32. Um, we are currently running at about 40... Um, cases per 100,000 per day in this county. Lake County is approximately twice that. So I am apprehensive that sort of the higher numbers that we're seeing elsewhere are going to start 
translating to higher numbers in this county. Oh, we'll wow. see. Sonoma County, 64 per 100K per day. Napa is also about 80 per 100K per oh, day. Wow. Um, so we are a little bit better than the counties uh, to the east and south of us. Humboldt has continued to outperform just about any other county in the state of California, um, and they're a little bit less than we are. So that's good to see. California seems to have reached a plateau, however. We seem to really not be able to add more than 40,000 cases per day in the state of California, which is a mind-bogglingly large number, but it really has plateaued over the last three weeks. And I, I think that plateau reflects the fact that when it gets really, really bad in jurisdictions or counties, people really, really understand that this is really bad and deadly. Um, and as it fades away, people go out and start spreading COVID again. And so we're going to sort of see this yo-yoing through the mm -hmm. state. Hopefully we don't trend much higher than 40,000. I think that's probably sort of the peak tolerance that people are going to be able to accept as a state as a whole. But we've been much less affected over the course of the last month or two from COVID than the rest of the state. And I'm afraid that might translate to some sloppiness over the course of the next several weeks. We'll see. Any idea how many, uh, how a percentage of vaccine is going to start to make an impact on our curve? Yeah, so there's that's still an open question. Um, you know, California as a whole has seen a lot of COVID right now. Um, I think True. we're, I think we're at three million cases, um, as I, as I recollect. Um, and that's actually going to start slowing the rate of transmission as well, particularly in counties like uh, Los Angeles, where it's estimated that up to 30% of the population has had COVID over the course of 10 months, which is certainly not the level of herd immunity. Um, but it is at a level where you're going to see slightly slower rates of transmission if one in three people has some component of immunity. And then combine that with the rolling out of the vaccine, which is still you know, a pretty small fraction of the population. But those two things combined should start bringing it down. Unfortunately, we're also seeing this more contagious strain making inroads in the state. Um, and that I am afraid is going to offset any component of immunity that would slow the transmission. Wow. Yeah. The timing is, is excellent there. Yeah, it's there. just bad news everywhere. All right. Other, other exciting yeah. events. Moderna maybe sent out a bad batch to California. Maybe not. I don't know. It was 300 and some thousand doses of this vaccine in this one batch. Six healthcare workers at one center in San Diego had some sort of reaction. And for that reason, they are putting these 300 and some thousand doses on hold. It seems misguided to me. We know that 330,000 doses of vaccine would confer substantial immunity um, and certainly lower the risk of a severe illness in 330,000 people. So those allergic reactions were treated. It seems a little odd or coincidental that it was all at one center. Um, and so I, I really don't know who or where or why that decision is being made. But does not appear that any of those doses were shipped up here. And at any rate, if you've listened, if you're listening to this and you've received a vaccine over the course of the last week, that those reactions, those six, whatever they were and whatever they amounted to, um, occurred right after the vaccine was administered, which is why we're holding you in these vaccine centers for 15 or 30 minutes to observe you to make sure you don't have this reaction. So no danger up here. No danger up here. Bread and butter, emergency medicine, allergic reaction, you give them a shot of whatever they need, and it gets better. It's 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 pretty readily managed. Um, so certainly should not discourage people or create any anxiety um, about this vaccine. 
I read something in the New York Times today that was a, an opinion it's piece. fake news. I'm sorry. It's a failing newspaper. <laughs> Coming out of my mouth. Um, anyway, it said that we're underselling the vaccine, that it's actually better than, uh, than we are reporting. Yeah, probably. Um, you know, that data is not super strong yet. I do want to speak to this notion of the vaccine and immunity, however. Let's just be clear. It's not 100%. Um, it's 95%. It might be a little bit better. It seems to almost completely eliminate the incidence of severe illness. But there will be some people who still get COVID um, even after they're fully vaccinated and should have developed full immunity. That's just going to happen. And in a setting where we still have very high incidence, such as our county, um, being fully vaccinated or even partially vaccinated really isn't going to allow you to do anything different. You're still going to have to wear a mask and socially distance and stay out of crowds and stay outdoors and you know follow the five COVID rules. It doesn't give you carte blanche to do anything safely um, until we start to see the numbers drop substantially as a community. Um, so, you know, those who are vaccinated don't th- don't don't feel like you have made it through the pandemic. Um, and can now start doing what you want. Um, those of you who have not been vaccinated, you know, sit tight. It's coming. Um, but your your situation is really not any different from anybody who is vaccinated at this point in terms of what you can safely do. Right. Yet another example of the fact that this is about all of us. Yes. It's not about individuals. It's about all of us. Um, I'm so amazed at 5,800 vaccines already in the county. I think yeah, that's a it's, lot. It's a lot. Yeah. No, in a county of 85,000, you know, 6,000 vaccinated, that's pretty good. And we know the number's higher because that doesn't mm-hmm. that doesn't take into um, everybody else who's been administering it. So we're probably seven, eight thousand 8,000 actually in the county, which is 10% of the population. That's, that's actually fairly substantial. Phenomenal. Yeah. So for all the bad news, let's not forget that there's something really, really amazing happening. Well, and, and frankly, the good news is we're also not, you know, we're not being swamped in the health care um, services, you know, in the county at least. All right. All let's right. open up the phone lines. Sure. That was, that was more than enough. <laughs> 707. No, yes. 707-895-2448 is the studio line here, and we welcome your calls. 707-895-2448. Let's take our first caller. Oh. Good afternoon, caller. You are live on the air. Hi. Um, I had a question, and maybe you guys can help. Um, I'm wondering if, okay, so in the beginning of all of the information about the vaccines coming out, like there was trials going on, I think it was in Europe, and um, there was something about uh, a person in the trial, I believe, that developed transverse myelitis once they got the vaccine. Um, I'm wondering about this because personally, a family member of mine did uh, uh, was diagnosed with transverse myelitis many years ago and um, does want to get the vaccine and um, their doctor doesn't really, you know, have their local doctor doesn't have a lot of information. Um, or advice really about it. And I'm just wondering if there's somewhere to go look at like information on this now that, you know, the vaccines are rolling out and, you know, people that might have some other like immune problems um, want to get vaccinated. So I'm trying to like help this person out and figure out if there's somewhere that I can find out some information about that kind of stuff going on. 
Sure. So that's that's a really good question. And unfortunately, the answer is we really don't have that data yet. I mean, the, the drug companies, the two that are released, Moderna and Pfizer, um, are tracking adverse uh, reactions, um, both nationally and internationally. Um, and at this point, they have, you know, millions of doses administered, and they certainly have a data bank somewhere of whatever type of allergic reactions people have mounted. But I haven't seen any publication of that data, which is both troubling, I suppose, but also somewhat reassuring that there hasn't been any warning that has popped up um, as they're analyzing it. So I think it's safe to infer from that that in general they haven't noticed any trends, but that's still an inference um, rather than data that they have released. In general, so just for other people who aren't familiar, transverse mellitus is a autoimmune sort of modulated inflammatory condition that can be quite devastating. It's very rare. Yes. We do know that it has been triggered in the past from other types of vaccines. Um, it's not typically seen as something that is familial. Um, but there was that one case, I think it was from the Pfizer vaccine, I, I don't recall, it was back in September. Um, but they ultimately concluded that this was just an idiosyncratic thing that occurred in those 40,000 people, probably not triggered by the vaccine. But you know, it's hard to conclude something like that with any degree of certainty because it's so rare and I don't think we're seeing a lot more cases. As for how you would advise your family member, I don't really want to get into that over the air. I, I think that would be something that you need to talk to your provider about. You know, really in general, people with immune suppression um, or any sort of condition that makes them more vulnerable um, to allergic reactions or to get sicker are certainly advised to get the vaccine rather than forego it because those risk factors would also likely make them more um at risk of getting acutely ill from COVID. Um, and the risk-benefit analysis, which is what we always do as doctors, um, augurs for you know administration of the vaccine, even at people who are at slightly higher risk of having a bad reaction to it. This, the absolute risk of having a bad reaction is still on the order of thousands of times less than the risk of getting acutely ill or dying from COVID. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. All right, thanks for the call. We have an email question. It is, uh, Dr. Colfax, I'm told some people believe the vaccine was developed and or manufactured using fetal cells. Is this true? Fetal. Uh, um, I think that there was some stage of the development of the Moderna vaccine that used um, uh, fetal cells. I, I'm not sure of that, um, but I, I do recollect seeing something about that early on. I'm not sure, however, it was the Moderna or a different one that has not yet come to market, but was part of the Operation Warp Speed um, group of pharmaceutical companies developing the vaccine. Um, I, I, I just don't want to answer, answer that definitively, but I do recollect seeing that and noting the irony that the current administration was sending money to this development company while, you know, otherwise constricting women's rights. Right. Courting yes. the anti-abortion yes. vote. But yes. why would fetal cells be part of the process? Well, not, when we talk about fetal cells, we're not talking about, you know, fetuses. fetuses. No, we're I, talking I, about, I, yeah, so we're talking about stem cells, um, basically, um, that have been harvested, and they are very useful for do, developing 
vaccines or medications in general because they can be cultured and grown and manipulated in a way that allows them to be very plastic. Um, and so I, that's why they would have been selected for use perhaps by one of these. And I, I'm sorry, I just don't recollect which which development um, system utilized these. Okay, let's take our next caller. Let's see if they're still there. Caller, are you still around? I am. It's you. I was just calling to see if I know there's been so much talk about how is the community going to be notified of when it's their turn to get vaccinated. And I'm just wondering if Nixle is out of the question. I mean, it seems to me like, you know, if there's a guy running around with a sword in Fort Bragg, everybody in inland Mendocino County knows. Seems like they'd be able to come up with a system that would say, okay, go see your health care provider, 80 and above. In the next two weeks, we'll have stuff for you. Yeah, uh, just a thought. I just haven't heard any talk about it. it. That is a good thought. And I was just in Fort Bragg, and I did see a lot of people running around with swords actually there yesterday. So I, I think that's perhaps <laughs> Fort Bragg normative. I don't know. Um, but. It's a great idea. That would work best um, or most clearly if it were simply an age-based um, uh, system of administration. And we're still sort of figuring out our way around these tiers that have been promulgated. I, You know, over the course of the next couple weeks or so, I think we're going to see those tiers fall away and we're simply going to work our way down the age hierarchy. And then something like Nixle would work quite well for those of us who have subscribed. But I also think then it'll be much more clear uh, to each of us, oh, I'm 67 and we're doing 65 up and, you know, we need to figure out where to go to get our shot. And that sort of information will be much easy, uh, much more easy to find. And the communication will be much easier rather than trying to say, oh, am I an essential worker? What tier am I in? And am I tier 1A, B, sub B, 2, 1? I don't know because there's also two, you know, tier B3, sub C, <laughs> X9, and that puts me in that tier as well. So it's it's clear as mud when I look at the tiers. I was looking at it again this morning, and I was like, this is just, it's its truly a sign of bureaucrats coming up with uh, a medical uh, plan, and, you know, it's just unfortunate. But good thought. I gotcha. like the next Thank you. Yep. All right. Thanks for the call. You ready for another one? Sure. Hello, caller. You're live on the air. Hi. I just wanted to give a shout-out for the vaccine coming to Willis. But I talked to one of the doctors in Willis who said that the release of the information of the vaccine being available was not good. That the calls were made from an outside number. So those of us that block numbers that we don't know might not have picked up the phone. It was placed on the Howard Hospital website at 9 a.m. in the morning of the vaccine day. And it was not in the paper. It was not on the radio. They had to do it. They only had two days' notice at the hospital. But they said they got it, and it was uh, listed on Facebook. And many people don't do Facebook. And uh, the physician working over there said that they had a disproportionate number of people coming from Wallala and Point Arena and Elk who were digitally capable Right. As opposed to the rest of us who aren't watching our Facebook page every minute of the day, an hour before you can get your vaccination. So he, the staff member over there was extremely frustrated with the phone call uh, procedure that they had. And it's a big fail for those 
people in the county that don't have even uh, online reception and don't do anything on the computer and don't text and don't have cell phones. So yeah, it's a, it, it's a, it is a, it is a problem. And I, I don't think that actually represents a failure of these, you know, people administering the vaccines, either the public health or Adventist. It's, it's very hard to plan a party if you don't know how many guests are showing up. And these, you know, the county doesn't really have any sense of how much vaccine is going to be coming in uh, with any degree of certainty um, or any degree of precision about as to dates. And they have made the appropriate decision of getting the vaccine out to people as fast as possible once they get it in. Um, you know, spending more time developing notification systems that are more equitable, that reach the more vulnerable, less connected population would be nice. But the highest priority really has to be to utilize the vaccine as soon as we get it in the county. And both public health and Adventist have really you know, ascribed to that policy over the course of the last week or two. It's frustrating because I agree, caller, that you know the the elderly, the people who are 60 and up or even 50 and up, are not as tech savvy. I don't do Facebook. I'm not even signed up for Nixle. Um, but you know, it's 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 unfortunate that those methods of communication are being used to try to reach people who are least likely to um, subscribe to them. Alternative methods, um, the good old phone call system, is being used by a lot of the clinics around the county. Um, a lot of the clinics also have now little surveys that you can click on to to get enrolled in um, the notification system that they have set up, um, whether you're one of their patients or not. Um, and so that's going to happen. It's just going to be this very bumpy process over the course of the next couple of weeks with the overarching priority being getting the vaccine defrosted and administered, you know, as fast as possible. And, you know, fortunately, it's not you know, the current scenario is we're not sitting on a large stockpile in this county, which is great. That means everybody has, you know, received as much vaccine as we've been allotted. All right. Good to have a chance to say that on the air, though. I'm glad you called, caller. Yeah. Uh, let's take one more. Sure. Hello, caller. You're live on the air. Hi. Um, I have a, a question, and that is, at, at what point... Will those of us who got vaccine number one and are due to get vaccine number two at the end of the month, at what point will we be alerted if it's not going to happen and what we should do then? Yeah, that's a really good question. And frankly, we I, I think I can say this for everybody is we don't know yet. Um, you know, the, the plan will be to alert people, you know, within two to three days um, of the booster shot um, scheduled date to let you know that it's going to be coming in and that we do have it. That's hopefully how it will work. But we're not really going to know that we're getting that booster shot shot supply um you know in real time until probably 24 hours or maybe 48 hours before it's due to be administered so it's going to be all kind of it's going to be a bit of a ballet trying to you know get it in and then get it out um as fast as possible um okay, but so but if, the people who administered you sorry okay. hold on let me just continue the people yeah. who administered you the shot whether it was at a center or, or public health or through adventist um or through consolidated they should be contacting you in the either three or four week um you know booster shot period to get you back in for for the repeat dose so 
if it doesn't come in, will we be getting information about whether we can still get it if it comes a week late? Yes, yes. How will we know if that's okay? Yeah, so we, <laughs> you will be getting that information. Um, okay. for, unfortunately, frankly, it's not clear surveying the medical literature um, when and how you know how late you can delay the booster before you have to start over again and get the one two again. That is a scenario that is going to come up over and over again as we push the vaccine out as fast as we can. So that that information, that sort of medical recommendation, those guidelines have not yet been promulgated, or at least I haven't seen them yet. But they're coming because that problem is going to be upon us in about 10 days. So That's stay fine. tuned. I'll okay. let you know. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Right. Thanks. For the Bye. Call. Bye-bye. All right. That's going to do it. It's just about a minute and a half before 3.30. So did you want to do one more? Oh, the, the switchboard's lit up. Let's just take one more. Oh, oh, I call oh. too far. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I was trying to do a nice, I short know. and sweet. Okay. Just, yeah. Here we go. Hello, caller. You're live on the air. Oh, hi. You hi. answered one of my questions. That was about getting scheduled. I called last week to get on the schedule to the county number. I was still waiting for a call back, but... I was patient, thinking there's probably a lot of people. But I, if you real quickly, I hear this is new strain out there, and just basically on these new strains, they're supposedly more infectious. I was wondering how that works. You, you need less contact time. Is it just more viral? You need less viral no- load. Do you know on that, Doctor Colfax? I know it's early and yeah, the data's so- not. Yeah, so it's, that's a really good question. And, you know, this new strain in particular, this B117 strain, has 20-plus new mutations um, that makes it, we think, perhaps 50, about 50% more infectious or more easy, more readily transmitted from person to person. It's probably multifactorial, so you probably don't need as much of a viral load, which means you don't need as long of a sustained um, exposure. Um, and then you are probably also spread, um, you know, uh, spreading more of the virus as you're exhaling it while you're infected. So it's this one-two punch that's, I think, making it more uh, contagious. We don't really know that definitively yet. It's a subject of intense scrutiny, but it does seem to have a significant evolutionary advantage such that it's really going to supplant the current strain that we're seeing uh, throughout the country over the course of the next six to eight weeks. This is going to rapidly become the dominant strain of COVID in the country. The good news is that the vaccine works against it. And the other good news is it doesn't make you more sick than the current sort of garden variety uh, COVID. So it's, you know, it's the same sort of illness um, with the same virus that just is more readily transmitted. Oh, so now I need to stay 12 feet away and wear two masks? <laughs> you know, that, that's a good question. You know, you, you can't be too paranoid. You know, we're almost there, and every you know every person that gets sick at this point, I just, you know, it kind of reminds me of the, the waning days of the AIDS pandemic, um, where you almost made it to the point where we had some really good antiviral therapy that keeps people alive forever, essentially. We're almost there, and you really don't want to die at this point from this pandemic, because the vaccine is here the vaccine is safe and effective and it's going to stop it once we get enough of it um we're just you know we just don't have enough yeah now i heard there's another strain that's in lake county just today or somebody is telling me uh, it's a 45 r or 245 r or something it's another strain that's developing it was on the news today and i guess they have it in uh i think they found it in santa clara 
Yeah. But they I, did name our county, but Lake has it, and I think Humboldt has it too, if I remember right. But it's it, yeah, it's probable that whatever strains we're talking about at this point are just about everywhere. The real problem yeah. is we don't have much genetic surveillance in this country even yet, um, and so we're still flying blind in that regard. Um, so, and, and I don't know, we don't know whether that strain actually has any biologic significance or not yet. Okay, thank you. Yep. All right, thanks for And I should say, you know, not not in response to this caller's frustrations, but, you know, this, this problem with the vaccine rollout is it's not just local. You know, it's it's really nationwide, and the county is actually doing a much better job on average um, than anywhere else in California. And California, while it's not doing great from the national perspective, we actually, if we look at Mendocino County's rollout, we're doing much better than average um, than anywhere else. And the problems with sign up and enrollment and knowing when you're you know, due to get the vaccine, that is definitely a national problem that, you know, has been dumped on these jurisdictions that just don't have the resources to have it all laid out. Right. And somehow we've managed to get 5,800, at least public health has managed to get 5,800 and people vaccinated and, and other venues also have been doing it so something you know it's low-hanging fruit everybody wants it so somehow it's getting to arms and maybe when the first kind of layer of people gets vaccinated they'll have to work a little harder to to get to find people who need to get vaccinated but for now whatever they're doing is you know maybe like you said it's maybe not equitable perfectly but it's getting there it's it's the least bad imperfect administration of vaccines the most bad would be if nobody was getting it and it was sitting in the freezers so yes and i'm also sure as we're talking about this this week i'm sure it's going to get better like i'm just sure that this is going to be oh god i hope that that this will we'll look back on this time you know and i don't know 2020 might be the best year of the decade we don't know yet Mm, okay (laughs) let's take another call i'm just kidding (laughs) on that thought um let us go we're gonna now finish up the local coronavirus update for today we'll be back wednesday wednesday at three uh and again taking your calls about the coronavirus um We're going to go ahead and join Reveal in progress. But first, I want to let you know that uh, tonight at 7, if you didn't get in on on this show, but you still want to call in and make your feelings known, uh, it's The Discussion, which is a caller-driven community open line show from 7 to 8 on every every Monday night. And then tomorrow morning on Mind Body Health, um, it's Dr. Trotter, and he'll be here with Dr. Lloyd Klein, who's a new cardiologist in Ukiah, and they're going to talk about heart failure, stents, atrial fibrillation, and more. So if you just can't get enough of call-ins or of medical information, boy, are we the station for you. So um, tune into those shows, and thanks, Drew. Thank you, Alicia. Thank you, callers. You've been listening to the local coronavirus update from KZYXNZ Mendocino County Public Broadcasting in Philo, California. This podcast is made possible by funding from the Mask Awareness Project of North Coast Opportunities. To hear this program live, tune in on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time to KZYX Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ Williton Ukiah at 91.5 FM, and in Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. Or you can hear us anywhere at kzyx.org, where you can also find out how to donate or become a KZYX member. Thanks for listening.